Hello and welcome to New Tricks, the weekly podcast from New Dog PR. I'm Emily Newman. And I'm Catherine Doggall. This podcast is a chance to mull over the current goings on in hotel land, chat to some pleasant folk about things they know and provide some interest for your ears. We've brought our journalism and communication experience together with our sector knowledge and contacts to create a strategic PR company which understands investing in hotels and the many roles within them. In this week's episode, we discuss the need for a plan to get us out of this, which hair products Boris might like to consider, or any at all at this point, how Accor Invest might spend their newly acquired 500 million euro state guaranteed loan and domestic marketing. We were also mortified to hear that items on the shelves of M&S in Paris have been reduced to non-alcoholic pina colada, could there be absolutely anything worse, steak and hummus. Bon appetit indeed. Hello and welcome to episode four, New Tricks, Ramblings Through Hotel Land. How are you, Catherine? I am absolutely splendid, Emily. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. We are, whatever it is, January the 97th. Day 74. (laughs) Week 759 (laughs) of homeschooling. I've no idea what's going on, which way's up. Um, But we're all right. We're happy and healthy. So we'll we'll focus on that. And we're... um, we're a couple of weeks into our launch, which is all going tremendously well. Um, we've been talking, to, we've been having some interesting conversations this week um, with good folk who would like our help. Um, and one of the things that we've been talking to them about is how abundantly clear it became at some point during last year, whatever day that was, um, that communication was really important and probably the thing that's going to get us through this Um that and really understanding what your purpose is, having a message and saying that repeatedly for everyone to hear. Um, so, yeah, it's been a good week. How is life en France? En France, it's very good. We thought we were going to get communicated at by our noble leader, but he decided he didn't want to talk to us after all. Um, I, I, he was going to tell us off uh, bad things like mingling. There's been a lot of mingling in the streets outside takeaway booze places. So some mingling, bad mingling. They didn't tell us off, but now we don't know whether he didn't tell us off because things are fine or he didn't tell us off because he's just too disappointed in our actions. Oh, so- no, that's worse. <laughs> no, we when they know. say they're disappointed. I'm that's- sorry, poor little Manuel. <laughs> We're so sorry. We didn't mean it. We'll stop mingling. We can't stop mingling. We should stop mingling. I haven't been mingling. Okay, so no one's listening. Um, so no mingling here. But yes, so at the moment we're still... It's going to get tighter. It doesn't hasn't got tighter yet. We don't know how it's going to get tighter, um, but it will do. In the meantime, people are sort of lightly mingling before six because everyone has to be tucked in bed by six, and rightly so. So, yes, that's where we are in France. Um, I was walking around some of the more prominent um, landmarks yesterday in a responsible fashion, wearing a mask, wearing my KN95 mask, actually, as the government likes. Um, and I went past really an awful lot of hotels which are just boarded up. Um, I was going to take some photos of them for a, a disturbing Instagram post, but I decided to lay off disturbing people for one day. Um, so uh, so I didn't, but it was reasonably upsetting to see. Um, it's good because in France, that it just means that they're shuttered, um, not like the UK, where it means that they may never open again. Um, but it's really, it's disturbing nonetheless. So that's where we are. That is where you are. And we all know that actually when in, uh, in 
the authority, whatever that authority is, uses words like disappointed, mm. that is significantly worse than a good old rollicking. Exactly. So that's where we're at. We have in the UK been um, uh, addressed by our noble leader who has um, made noises that the prioritisation of, of schools will be happening from the <laughs> 8th of March. Oh, March. Brilliant. Um, Remind me. Remind me. Is it March now? Is it March next know. month? <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Um, and other restrictions being eased uh, around then or after. So what? where does hospitality fit into that? Will hospitality be um, in, in that first tranche of reopenings? We suspect not. Um, and there's been some musings from Sage saying that they should stay closed until May. And we know that um, they're just burning burning cash um these hospitality hotels that are having to stay closed um cash burn of half a billion pounds to keep the sector closed each and every month so the prospect of that continuing until may is not a cheery one it's not i did see that your fluffy head leader had been talking about various dates they may open all may day all open for easter because he cannot stop branding things and uh, and trying to make himself look good. Whereas one would think that really the fastest way to make him look good was to get a down ye barber shop um, or, or just some product, just some product. I, you know, I don't want to be all product about it, but there's a lot of things out there now. It doesn't have to be like the 80s. You don't need to have fluffy hair, just like a, just a serum, just a cheap serum. We'll, we'll deal with that. We'll deal with that. So um, It really so, would. And it would be more and, convincing when you're talking about 100,000 people dying that your hair wasn't fluffed up or backcombed or pulled through a hedge um, if at all possible because I think you know respect and things like that you know Macron he manages to put himself together every day you know we don't see very much of him but he's always there together got a nice tan very pleasant hangs out in the garden responsibly in the open air at the Elysee Palace these things are important well it it would appear so these things are important they really are and other things that happened in the news this week are of course that we um any any people to these fair shores will now be enjoying um some time in a hotel Mm. at their expense i've heard of hotels yes yes they're lovely um so travelers from 22 high-risk countries entering the uk will have to isolate in government provided accommodation such as hotels Mm for 10 days um and the department of health and social care is sorting this out so um infection control tick yes this is going to be the cost will be firmly placed on the traveler um this is this is obviously completely squashing any dreams of international travelers to this is it helpful for hotels um, I we've seen lots of enthusiasm from hotels because, of course, it means that people will be staying in hotels. Um, so from that front, yes, it is helpful for hotels to have people staying in hotels. There's, <laughs> there's no going around it. It's good for the staff to remember what it is that they do. Everyone is motivated. It's a new thing. We've seen loads of hoteliers come out and say how eager they are to meet the standards and look what we can do. And that's great. Um, even after being constantly kicked around by a government which seems to not know who it is, when asked to step up, They've stepped up. And so that's great. And it shows that you can, you know, kick them, but they still, you know, they go low, we go high, which is a good and uplifting thing to see. Um, So, yes, one assumes it is good for hotels. Although, of course, ending international travel. And I think Priti Patel was saying she was going to make it illegal to leave the country, which is a whole new area of North Koreanizing. (laughs) 
<laughs> really such a cheery thought it's brilliant isn't it you may not leave um and it's not even for sort of you know brexit nationalistic reasons you just can't no leaving for you um so that is going to be less good for hotels one suspects so on balance really like a some kind of strategy is still deeply required um, at this juncture rather than the, then the constant flip-flopping because you can quarantine people, you can do this to them, you can do that to them, you can talk about how you can't go on holiday in the summer. All these things are fine, but the more you flip-flop back and forth and the less you come up with, I know it's hard to have a long-term strategy, but the less you come up with any strategy, the worse that is. And then, of course, the uncertainty becomes even more debilitating than just saying, you know, if you turn up, we're going to lock you up for 10 days, no matter what you've done probably unless you're a Tory donor. I'm sure there'll be a whole list of exemptions. Um, so, yeah, strategy, please. That would be grand. Mm. Um, we saw the always charming Bazan talking to Richard Quest on CNN yesterday about how ACL was stepping up to this, um, the caveat being uh, making sure that it was all very safe, all safe, very safe, safe, safe for the safe, staff, safe. all very safe for the staff. Um, so, once again, the as you rightly said, the sector gets a bit of acknowledgement, does a bit of helping. That is all good. Um, I suppose moving on from that, shall we have a little chat about um, what's going on in the sector? Oh, news. I mean, I mentioned Bazam. Um, <laughs> we seamlessly trot along to what's happening in Accor Investland. Oh, seamless, seamless. You've got them transitions right down. Oh, yeah. The, that Richard Quest is going to be quaking, quaking in his head. Um, so, so yeah. Well imagine. Uh, so, so yeah. So after some 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 long grind, Acre Investors finally agreed a state guaranteed loan of five hundred million euros. Um, Bruno Le Maire, who apparently lives near me, France's finance minister. The brilliant thing about um, not speaking brilliant French, and uh, although I am trying, and uh, and not really being too linked in. Just you know, I can recognise the health minister, and I can recognise you know other the education minister. Obviously, I'm closely linked to recognising him. Um, Casey shuts all the schools. And, and you know, uh, little Manu, I can recognise them all, but I don't recognise all of the members of the cabinet, as I may recognise all the members of the UK cabinet. So he could well be, I could well be, in fact, close friends with Bruno Le Maire and just not realise it, because apparently he lives around the corner from me. So there we are. But anyway, Bruno was on the radio going, oh, yes, we've agreed it. It's all fine. It's all great. It's all wonderful. Um, but in a you know, much more just kind of repressed French way. Um, and this is good news for everyone, uh, not just Accor Invest. It's good news for Accor, and good news for Accor means good news for those of us who like watching massive deals happening in the sector. Because now that Accor, of course, who's been sitting on just billions and billions um, in credit, which they arranged last year, uh, and other and cash lines and all all sorts of things they managed to accrue to bolster, I think they've got something something like 4.5 billion in liquidity they have at their disposal. This would be less now because they will have had to um, take part in this. Um, refinancing of Accor Invest. But um, now, of course, they know how much money they can spend. So they're very, like responsible people. Um, they've looked to see how much money they need to put away and then how much money they can spend. And now they will have a bigger idea of that. And now the suspicion is we will start to see Accor flex its muscle um, and do what we all hope will be a big and spectacular deal that we can't possibly imagine, which is the dream of Accor at all points. What will they buy? So yes, it's an exciting time. We're hearing lots of uh, lots of deals fermenting around the place at the moment, um, and I'm sure that Ack will be participating in them. Um, Hyatt are expected to make a big move in Europe. Um, we hear lots of whispers around Radisson, um, Melia, and so um, yes, 
bring it on, bring it on. It's bound bring to be something. It's bound to be something big. How can it not be? It's our call. Obviously. Um, in less big deals. There was some lifestyle move, and back Indeed. back to Accor, there was some lifestyle moving. Lifestyle, very much the drum that is being banged at the moment. What was what was that deal? What was significant about it, or not? <laughs> no, no, it's, it's, it's so they did a deal with Fina, Finer, YouTube. We, who knows? Who knows? Um, so they're all going to sort of strategically act together. It brings Accor's number of brands up to let me see at the last count, one hundred twenty-seven thousand. So. Great, you can't round it down. Cannot have too many. Cannot have too many. Um, and it's interesting, Apple, because um, as we come out of this, it will be the economy and budget brands which are best placed to, to benefit. But Apple has a, has a ton of those. Uh, you know, it owns Europe in those terms. So, oh, I was getting to getting to lifestyle. So it's bolstering its lifestyle thing, looking a bit further down the line. Uh, so we shall see what that happens. Um, what happens with that? Nothing terribly speedy. I wouldn't have thought they do these deals and then. You don't then see 25 of them in the next year. But it's another option for owners, isn't it? Another option. And, um, and as Accor is, you know, has a stake in an owner, you'd, uh, they like to keep an eye on these things. Indeed. Um, I'm not wishing to in any way take Richard Quest's job away from him. But moving on from um, moving on to owners and brands, oh, yes. since you mentioned the owners. I did. Um, we had the we had the great pleasure of being involved with um, Watson Farley Williams and a webinar that they hosted uh, earlier this week, in which in which the topic of owners and brands and transparency and partnership and what might happen when all this is ended um, or when all this is over, which is a time that we can all just merrily think about mm. whilst considering sunshine and beaches. Um, it was a really great discussion. I thought, slightly biased, but other people have said similar. Um, <laughs> and one of the things that we talked about um, that came came to mind, again, um, thinking about what's happening next, is, is domestic. Domestic tourism, domestic marketing, the ability of brands to understand that, get their hands around that, put a plan in place about all things domestic. Yes. So there's been lots of, um, much like, you know, all the time in, in hotel lands, there's lots of rubbing up in a bad way um, between owners and brands. And that hasn't really changed over the pandemic because now there isn't any, there aren't any people coming in. So that's upsetting. Um, and people have been saying the brands need to do more. And the brands have been saying, look how much we're suffering. Both of these things are true. Um, but there has been an increase in flexibility. In, and the webinar was discussing ways in which We've seen this flexibility, ways in which it's likely to continue, um, and practical examples of ways in which it has. Um, but one of the things that it was felt were needed was um, more of a move from the, I'm not going to say pivot, um, but more of a move towards domestic marketing for, on the part of the brands, because domestic is where it's going to be. And we saw PBHE this week um, with their results, and they were looking back over July and August and said just the, just the vast, 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 vast majority of business is coming domestic. Um, for them. And really, when you look at all the quarantining and the number of tests you need to get to go in and out of any country, and really the the lack of appeal in many ways of, uh, you know, it's not really a relaxing holiday if you're trying not to lick people who, you know, are within two meters of you. Just the appeal of being domestic, it seems that that's, that's the way things are going to go. And so really, maybe the brands should think about marketing domestically. It seems that they are. Um, and so that's all to the delight. Um, whether it's the, obviously the, the business market, greater issues, but um, 
as they discussed on the webinar, and as we've seen, there'll be more working from hotels, more different ways to maybe stretch your extended stay, which of course has remained very popular, um, and generally ways in which people can uh, can share the um, share the share the pain, but also share the joy. Because I think one of the one of the things that we've seen we see in all of these conversations, and we see them in the hotels versus OTAs conversations and all those conversations as they always seem as kind of very Trumpian zero sum. If I win, you must lose. And if you win, then I will, you know, it's off the cliff with me. Um, but uh, but it doesn't have to be that way. You know, it doesn't have to be that way. Everyone can win. <laughs> they really <laughs> they can. can. They can. They really just, can. Just don't, you know, just be, be you know, better, better. Everyone can win. If you do things better, On- you might get more money off your guests. And, and whatnot. Guests? 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 guests. guests? That's What's true. Guests, guests did come up like once mm. on a webinar because they're a thing. Not at the moment, but they <laughs> but yeah, in normal times, guests exist. They really do. Mm. Um, and, and on to, you know, picking up from your zero, <laughs> zero sum comment and you're right, you're wrong. Uh, I'm right, you're wrong. Shut up. I was really <laughs> enjoying a Twitter rant, um, which is only the only possible platform to have these kind of rants on. Someone was taking enormous offence at the word uh, staycation, which the oh, tabloid yes. press are very much enjoying. Um, instead of using domestic tourism and, and all that kind of stuff, they're talking about staycation. And this very angry person. Oh, um, God, was it my sister? Find... Because she <laughs> weighed in. <laughs> I saw her weighed so. in. And I was like, oh, no. Oh. I don't think so. But there was there was anger around the word staycation because staycation is something you do when you stay at home and you do things that you wouldn't normally do on holiday. So Oh, am I up. having a staycation at the moment? I think you are. Are you enjoying it? <laughs> It's not as restful as I'd hoped, I won't lie. <laughs> yeah, I think this was this angry person's point. Um, so a staycation is not what happens when you go off to the Lake District and you stay in a, uh, a self-catering accommodation type that you can clean yourself and you don't do work and cook three meals a day and do all that other stuff. So just, mm. just to be clear, that's angry, twistiness, staycation. So a domestic holiday, not a staycation. Very good. All yes. about marketing local and that yes yes because um as i think my sister pointed out um we didn't go on any overseas holidays until we were sort of in our in our early teens and then we went one year to Mallorca and the us both in the same year and then it was back to going to cornwall uh, twice a year and staying in a caravan but i don't think we ever felt that we didn't have holidays in that mm. time <laughs> so um you know because that would be really it's not not a very nice thing to say about cornwall and else. when you were going on your holidays to Cornwall, they presumably they were pitched in your family as holidays, deeply, not as staycations. Deeply. And I know that parents have a lot of kind of marketing control over their children. <laughs> but the messaging, the messaging. Exactly. It's all all messaging, all branding all the way. Look, there's a windbreak, therefore it must be a holiday. Your people are playing on my head. <laughs> so I think, yes, yes, the buckets and spades weren't just a kind of a brand add-on. I think it genuinely probably was a holiday. So... There you go. But of course, memories are volatile things, as we know. So, <laughs> so, so maybe it wasn't. And maybe we all need to have a bit of a sit down around the table and talk about that. Around a round table. Yeah. We do. Um, back to matters of UK um, and the webinar. And uh, Lionel was on the webinar. Lionel Benjamin was on the webinar. And he had recently, um, they've recently added a new hotel to their UK portfolio, which is growing. Can you tell us a bit more about that? For anyone who is not familiar with what Lionel and and Viv are up to, give us a summary. Well, 
Um, as everyone who was having staycations last year will remember, <clears throat> um, Travelodge had another CVA, which, you know, the clouds are grey, the trees are green, Travelodge has a CVA, this is how it goes, we will look forward to the next one. Um, and, uh, and as part of the deal to push that through, owners, many owners were given the opportunity to sack off being part of Travelodge at all. And, um, and it caused a huge excitement in the sector and there were lots of ruckings and rumblings. And if restaurants had been open at that time, then really it would have been a boom time for people to be taken out and wined and dined. They weren't, so, you know, it's a missed opportunity, billions, billions off the economy, I fear. But, um, but yes, the opportunity was there. And into this um, came Biv and Lionel with um, working with Accor to offer a hybrid lease model. Accor are no, um, no strangers to a hybrid lease. But um, there are all sorts of intriguing elements to it. You could get a stake in, in Ago, the company, do this, you could do that. There was, you know, all, all sorts of excitement under the Ibis family of brands. And, um, and yes, in the end, so Secure Income Reit, who kind of helped kick all this along, were looking as though they were going to, well, looking like they were going to be sold. Um, then they weren't. And then they were looking like they would change brands and that didn't happen. And they stayed with Travelodge. And there's no doubt a story behind that. Um, but um, but probably it was this huge block moving, which meant that a lot of owners who had been expected to go to all sorts of other brands, it wasn't just Viv and Lionel, there were all sorts of other contenders. They didn't in the end, but it has started. So, but now um, they've just signed their 10th. I think this was another formal travel lodge. And, um, and it started to get people thinking about the options that they have. Um, the Ago or Ago or AGO, if you're uh, working for Sky, um, story or model is uh, is a complex one to sell to investors who don't necessarily work directly in the sector all the time and know about all the things that we know about like red car and pillow menus and, and all those sort of shenanigans um but um but at the same time there people are becoming more educated all the time as the sector moves into the mainstream and so if you're you know willing to sit down and go through the numbers, there are an increasing number of models which are available to you um, and which put you in a, in a hopefully more equal position with the brands. It's all about equality, not about scary dominance. But yes, things trickle on with um, Ago, Ago, Ago. And we watch that space of interest. Marvellous. Um, I think that's probably the su- an overall summary of news things, macro stuff, Macron stuff. Yeah, very good. We are so international. <laughs> oh, yes, we are, we are, we are. Is there anything else that you fancy chatting about? Uh, no, what have we seen this week that was extraordinarily intriguing? Um, they, the vaccine thing rumbles on. I see Tony Blair has waded in because, you know, Lord knows he can't keep his yap shut. Um, but, <laughs> but bless his face. Um, so, uh, yes, that all needs to be resolved, but at the moment, obviously the EU and the UK are rocking about, um, <clears throat> who's going to get whose, whose vaccines and really are they any good anyway? Um, so that's being a distraction from that for the moment and hopefully that will be resolved. And even more importantly, we still haven't had anything come into, uh, M&S in Paris, which has been very, actually, no, I take it back. Yesterday I went and had a look and, um, they had some alcohol free, um, is it daiquiri? No, it's alcohol-free. Start naming cocktails. Alcohol-free. Oh gosh. Um, um, what's that? Kind Mary. Of, no, um, that kind of that kind of uh, milky one. Pina colada. Oh, oh, yeah. my goodness! I can't <laughs> so imagine. You, so you could buy. <laughs> so they had they had some alcohol-free pina colada mix, which they displays sort of one bottle and then a big gap and then another bottle to try and fill up a, a shelf. They had some of that. They had two steaks. And they still had an enormous volume of hummus, which is the one thing they seem to be able to import without issue. 
So it had all the makings of a, of a possible evening in, but there's somewhat a somewhat disturbing one and one with, I think, the risk of curdling. I, oh, a pina colada at the best of times is just never Oh, no, I just, my, I, my, my stomach is, is I just, but no. Remove any alcohol content from it. And I just think you've got some sort of, yes, yeah, sloppy, curdling, <laughs> dramatic. So, so no. they really, so my people at the embassy tell me that they're, you know, working um, with M&S to try and get through their issues. But uh, but it will be product by product, they said. And so this is where we suddenly get a, a surge of hummus. Can you specify which product they might like to work on next? I would I mean... like to do that. I was in, in the American Library and the debate very much was around um, whether who has the best cheddar. There was some, the M&S at La Defense, uh... there was a rumour went around on Twitter that they had some cheddar. So, of course, everyone fled up that way. Um, but then some people are, the thing is that p- people are learning to be self-sufficient. So somebody said, well, they, actually the cheddar at the Monop, our local supermarket, isn't that bad. Really? Really? Oh my goodness. I so would offer bad, to send bad news packages. For well, nothing, well, <laughs> you can send what you like. It doesn't get through. <laughs> exactly. So, yes. One of my compatriots has this morning put in a huge order of things like stuffing and Liam Perrins. And I right. he said, do you want anything added to that order? And I said, are you ordering it from the UK? And he said, yes. And I said, where's well, the point is? But I'll have four. It'll just end up. <laughs> just end up on a motorway in Kent somewhere. It will. It will. We'll probably be able to watch it on the sky. <laughs> oh, dear. I will. Um, I hope your seed, I hope your hummus, um, humus, hummus-fueled <laughs> siege. Yes. <laughs> continues relatively unscathed um well the good news is that france does have other food it does baguettes i hear are very good i'd heard that they were right indeed um right well let's leave it there for this week um we shall have a think about deep matters and mm. not so deep matters to discuss next week as always um find us on linkedin twitter if you fancy coming and having a nap oh with yes us, i think we have a guest do. next week don't we we have a guest I- I think we do. Ooh. Absolutely. Any future guests who fancy a natter and can bring um, cocktail suggestions, uh, dips, nibbles, Ooh. food supplies, how Catherine can rustle up. It could be like Ready Steady Cook. What do you do with um, non-alcoholic pina, pina colada, <laughs> steak? Oh, Ainsley Harriet would have a field day with that. He would, he would. We should get him down to MS Paris. We'll do, we'll do that next week. Um, onwards and upwards then. So that concludes our thoughts for this week. Thank you to everyone involved in creating this episode and providing something for your ears whilst walking the dog, washing the cat, chopping the veg, or however else you pass the time while podcasting. Please do review and subscribe if you get your ear entertainment via Apple or follow new tricks if your ear delight comes from Spotify. These things make a difference, apparently. Until next time.